Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, Joe, have you heard. Um, the story out of Austin about oh, the, which one you'll have to be specific. There's just, there's just so many that have mattered in, in the last 24 hours. Okay. Quick recap. The uh, university of Texas special teams, or I should say this, Tyler, he's associate head coach and special teams coordinator and the he tight ends coach and the tight ends coach, his uh, girlfriend, wife, that's unclear. Um, she has a pet monkey. Also, she's a former, uh, I would say exotic dancer is the way I would put it. And she has a pet monkey. What was her stage name? Do you know by chance? Oh yeah. Her stage name was, uh, pole assassin. <laughs> and she had made an appearance on Jerry Springer. She's, you know, quite well known in certain circles and they had a haunted house they set up at their home in Austin. And the pet monkey, who uh, is named Gia, by the way, attacked, or I don't know, attacked, bit a child for sure. There was some type of altercation. And um, a child was bitten by this monkey. And, um, yeah, that all happened on a, on a Monday. I guess it was Sunday night. Uh, the story kind of. Twitter gods bless us with the story Monday night. And it was such a, a glorious, glorious evening yesterday with all these comments. And it was the funniest night I know. that I've had. And I don't know how long, I mean, I, I was, I was actually, I was playing video games with some friends while it was just all going down and it was just, Oh my God. Um, I first uh, the first place I saw it was was Red Dirt Sport is an Oklahoma account. Yeah, Re- retweeted or like quote tweeted the original report a few minutes after like it started gaining traction, and I thought it was like at first I was like oh this is some joke like because it wasn't from a verified dude. Yeah, and then when I just saw like everybody was basically like yep this is real. 
Yeah, the thing about it was, I still, I was like, this is, there's something else to this. This is, because you're right, it wasn't from a very bad account. It was just some rando. We said, like, ace. Yeah, the, people he misspelled me. report in, in the tweet. It said report. And, but then, the, uh, the, the dancer in question, Pole Assassin herself, gets on Twitter and pretty much corroborated the whole story. While, while adding caveats to like it was behind a lock or not a lock but a shut gate that I clearly said do not enter and etc. Did you Jinchi see the, went on. Did you see the do not enter sign? <laughs> yeah, I did see it. <laughs> the video, you know, she walked us through the backyard, which is just amazing in and of itself. And it was just, I mean, I I couldn't really believe it. Then I saw some Baylor fans. It was um, Drake Toll was on Twitter talking about Baylor being a, a springboard job. He was talking to another Baylor fan, and I was I, I commented. And I was like, "Guys, we got we got monkey monkey stuff going on in Austin. We can't be talking about this type of like sports debates tonight." Oh my god! No, like I I love it so much. It is. I I said that. It, it the story like this is just so tailor made for Twitter. That is absolute proof that we're living in a simulation. Like this is this is uh, <laughs> this yeah. is like if you if you've ever watched Parks and Recreation, there's a there's an episode where Ron is making uh, hand making chairs for a restaurant opening, and he makes one and then just immediately breaks it. And they ask him what's wrong with it, and he says it it was too perfect. It looks machine made. <laughs> and that's like uh, the, the UT monkey story. It's it's that. This is just too perfect. It has to be. Yeah. I don't I don't understand how this could happen organically. Oh, I, was, I was thinking. I was like, the story basically is. I feel like if you read the story, it's just like what would be spit out like with a, like a Mad Libs. You just put in words in a you know sentence, and it just doesn't you know random words. What do you have? Well, yeah. Pole assassin, monkey, child, how I mean it's just I, I do want to be clear that I'm, I'm not laughing because she's a stripper. No. That's totally fine. I'm laughing because pole assassin is an objectively hilarious name for anybody to go by in any situation. It's just so yeah. funny to me. I mean, the to get to land on that when you're you're going into this this field. And again, I have no judgment. You know, I respect the hustle. Get your money where you can get your money. But to not go with like uh, like cinnamon or something like you know a more traditional, I guess you could say, what you would consider a stripper name. You went with like pole assassin, which I love it because it's it has so many meanings. So last week. We, we reached out to Twitter and we, we said, hey, give us some non-sports questions to answer. Yeah. And so I, I did the same thing today. And based on the fact that Monkey Gate and Pole Assassin were some of the top trending things on Twitter over the last probably 24 hours, you'd be unsurprised to learn that the vast majority of the questions that we got tonight um, involve this story. So I think I think this is just the perfect segue into... Our first question of the night, Matt. 
what kind of monkey that, let's let's go ahead and let's, let's do our regular let's let people know because everyone's like they say on SED, everyone's podcast is their first so let's let people know what we're doing here so all right this is the bear den uh, i am matt and that is joe and we cover baylor athletics and other topics of course but we'll focus on baylor athletics and um yeah we got some uh, monkey questions that we want to add or ask answer from the people yeah, I guess this would be our official monkey questions. Yes. <laughs> um, what kind of monkey would make the best stripper? Greg Mackey at G Mackey 32. He's an Iowa State fan. We got a couple of those okay. in here. Um, I don't have an answer for that. I know you have an answer. It's it's a macaque. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't think there's there's a monkey called a macaque and I don't think you could pick any other any other uh any other answer for this one. <laughs> no. That seems I don't have an answer. So unfortunately Greg I do not know. But All right this the, I, you you'll have an answer for the next one. It's okay. it's from at Quinn Daniel 22. Quinn is another Iowa State fan. Okay. He says uh and I'm guessing this is would you rather fight? Uh, 100 monkey sized longhorns or one longhorn sized monkey? I mean, it depends on the monkey because I mean, different monkeys are different sizes. Let's, let's assume it's the, it's the monkey in question in this story. So like a, like what a foot and a half tall and maybe 15 pounds. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I think it's, the monkey size longhorns. There's a hundred of them. Or just because of the size. Um, like I said, a yeah, because like horn, yeah, you know, you could you could get a good kick. You know, you could you could do some damage. Even a hundred of them. I mean, you probably would be overwhelmed. But I'm. I was thinking about this. I saw this question before. Is like a longhorn's a big animal in and of itself. I wouldn't want to fight a longhorn size longhorn. And then you're adding like monkeys are unpredictable and have like opposable thumbs. Yeah, I think I think your choice is the like the only chance of survival. Like you're yeah. going to probably get stabbed to death by the hundred monkey sized longhorns. But the only advantage you have is size. Yeah, um, you can you can jump and keep moving. The other way, uh, a longhorn sized monkey, like you don't have any advantages. I mean, in as far as like a fighting goes, I mean, maybe maybe thinking maybe you you know strategize but you know monkeys are smart too they're not they're not dumb animals so all right so the next up this is from the our daily bears account okay what would be the worst domesticable animal to incorporate into a strip show well Domesticable animal. So, so we've seen monkeys, obviously, and I know there's like been like pythons from the research I've done. I would probably say, I mean, I would think it'd be like, like big cats, you know, like. But are they domestic domesticatable? I mean, Siegfried and Roy had them, right? That didn't end well. 
Exactly. That's my that's what's my answer. All right. See, I thought about this a lot. I, I I saw somebody said cow, and that one was really interesting to me. Like I was like, yeah, but, yeah. but I, I can't use it because it was already said. Yeah. So I just I honestly thought of it and I just went like straight house cat, but not declawed. Because that much noise and like trying to like incorporate them into something, you're gonna get scratched. So I'm just going know. straight up declawed or not it, declawed house cat. It's like like uh, like a gerbil or something, right? <laughs> that'd be. That'd, I think that'd be kind of a disaster. Sea monkeys. <laughs> What's the thing like a like like a meerkat? Can, are those domesticatable? I don't think I don't think those are. Okay. Those are in zoos. Well, I guess monkeys are too. <laughs> yeah. I think um Mr. Jeffries wants to know, do you have any thoughts on Jane Goodall? She's done great work. The chimpanzees. All my, all my uh thoughts on Jane Goodall. <laughs> all right, and our last one, and it is our biggest veer off from the subject. So it'll okay. allow us to venture into our next subject. But at Skeetap. Uh, Finn, another Iowa stater, he wants to know your thoughts on foldable phones. Um, okay, so my thoughts like foldable in the sense of like our current smartphone, yeah, like our, era. the new ones, I think, you know, uh, like I the new I'm, Samsung folds. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a, not a fan. I've not played fan. with them. I've gone to like the big Samsung store in the Galleria. Yeah. And they're pretty neat, but I just don't think they serve a purpose for me right now. So maybe in a few years, just because I will want the cool technology, even if I don't need it, um, I might buy one, but I just, I don't see it right now. We'll see. We'll see what happens on that fin. Okay. We do have one from um, Amy. Oh, I skipped over Amy. You're right. Amy's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll close it out. Amy Graham Paget. She wants to know what is your ideal emotional support animal? Okay. So I, I, I think it has to be like, like a dog, right? And I say this as a dog owner. And I can think that's the only animal I think that actually does serve the purpose for emotional support. So I, I thought about this long and hard and I went more the content route okay. um, and mine was a swan because I feel like if it's an emotional support animal, I'm going to go all in and I'm going to make sure it's like fully trained to do its job and therefore it likes me. But swans hate like everything else. So I just think it would be really cool to have a swan that really liked me. But if I'm at like the airport and I need to get on a plane and anybody is like gets near me, the swan's just going to attack them. That's a good answer. I just was thinking about like I have a, I have a deep seal. I, like I hate um, cats, <laughs> and um, I think like dogs really do serve that purpose. Now I thought about this too seriously, apparently, but um, yeah, I was thinking my relationship with my dog and it's like yeah that's that's the ideal animal but i mean you gave the right answer mine mine is absolutely not doable but i'm going swan why not 
Or maybe right, like you could do like uh, like silverback gorilla. <laughs> Talking about like someone like build that relationship. Ape and talk. then if someone does try to mess with you, you have a fucking silverback gorilla. <laughs> All right, Matt. Did did anything fun happen this past weekend? We would definitely had trick or treating with my kids. It was fun, and in the midst of that trick or treating, some crazy news happened out of Fort Worth, and it was nuts. I I told you I think it was either last week or the week before that that there was no way Gary was going to be gone this year. Like I I was absolutely stunned. Like that was the the only word like I fully expected. I fully expected Gary to be back next year. Like no matter what happened this year, I figured this was your, his benefit of the, like, this is your final straw. People are talking about it. They don't like you anymore. And you get next year to figure it out. And that did not happen. Yeah. I, I thought I had an inkling that maybe he would be, this would happen. Um, just because I, I listen to people smarter than me who have kind of like sources and stuff like that. And they kind of convinced me that he's just not built for the current state of college football. Like it used to be with everything going on, all the changes going on. And you add to the fact that they're the way they're playing. I, th- I thought there was a high likelihood that at the end of the year that it could be, a change could be made, but I thought that they would do it differently. I thought you'd have him come out there and retire and all that stuff and not, not the way it went down. I was shocked at the way it went down, that it was like, we're going, we're going a mutual separation as far as how it was told. And then with the offering of like, you coach out the rest of the year, like kind of like LSU's doing. And he was just like, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to bounce. Yeah. I, it was the logical move. And, and yeah. like what you thought was logical, I just assumed that he and his relationship with TCU had surpassed like the logical answer, and that he at least got like a, an emotion year. Because you know, I know they offered you know they offered for him to stay, and he said no. But I don't know. It felt weird because apparently, like the reports came out that he was there um, at the facilities today helping the coaches plan. Yeah, and helping yeah. continue to install his game plan against Baylor. So, I mean, I, at first I, I thought it was like a, you know, a pissed off, stormed out, you can't fire me, I quit scenario. But you don't go back to the facility after that. So it was almost like it was still amicable, which surprises me. Um, and I think him denying um, the opportunity to take the desk job and work inside the athletic department, which was also reported that, he was offered like, hey, you can coach out the or you know, you can coach out the year, but then we're going to replace you and, and and you can move into this, you know, position in the athletic department. And he said, no, nah, I'm just going to leave now. That tells me he's not done trying to be a head coach. Yeah, which I don't know. Like I was listening to someone today. I can't remember what podcast it was. And they were like, is like, I don't know if there's really a, a power five school that would take it on. Um, Gary I could see the, I could see a Washington State taking a flyer on him. Yeah, but I mean, and the and like you want stability. Like, 
the you can say what is, you want about Gary. Like he he brings unnecessary attention in his press conferences, but yeah, he doesn't like he seems to do things the right way from a program level. So if you're looking for stability at Wazoo, maybe he's that kind of guy. That's that's one spot I could see. I think more often than not, his teams are since they've been in the Big Twelve are middle of the pack. Just looking. Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, you have like three good years in the Big Twelve. You know, you know, double digit wins. The rest of the time, you're anywhere from seven to six to four and eight. And the 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 trajectory since the his most recent double digit win, which was 2017. Well, they, I think they went in the Big 12 championship game. You know, he's been seven and six, five and seven, six and four, and he's three and five this year. So, I mean, it's just like it's the, – the thing that about it is what made TCU so good and the way they recruited and got those diamonds in the rough, they recruited differently because of the defense he ran with the two linebackers, you know, and the – the five defensive backs, you know, the extra man in the yeah, backfield. The 4-2-5, four, four, which is yeah. pretty common across college football. Now. Yeah. At the at the time when it started and he was, you know, going to the Rose Bowl before the Big 12, no one was doing that. Everyone's still kind of running the, the base, either 3-4 or like four down linemen. You weren't seeing that like Iowa State's or the Wisconsin or anyone like that, like Dave, what Dave Aranda did before LSU having the that – the same similar type of defense, but now like everyone runs that everyone has some form of that lineup, you know, Baylor runs it now. Iowa state does it. I mean, everyone's doing that similar type. So in being a small school, even though where they're located in a great location, it's you're, you're not the only one trying to get those same type of athletes. You know, where he would like, where he would be absolutely the scariest is if he went to a major school as a DC. Yeah. If he if he didn't have to manage the program Absolutely. and he could just just sit there and folk like you you got to be involved in recruiting but like you're not what they're coming for at the end of the day like you're not what gets the credit in the media for bringing in the recruits. Sure. And he he didn't have to manage the day-to-day he doesn't have to manage boosters or anything like that gary patterson as a defensive coordinator somewhere it would be absolutely terrifying yeah and when it's just football when all you have to do is that yeah you don't have to meet with donors you don't have to do all that other stuff that head coaches have to do you don't have to, like you said manage a program make sure people are going to class or anything like that um when you just do football 24 7 yeah he would, he would kill it if i'm nick saban i would call like and I'm tired of all of my coordinators constantly getting poached for me. I'd call Gary and be like, would you be cool with just being a defensive coordinator for five or six years? And if he said yes, like that's what I would do if I was Nick Saban. For sure. Like just get a guy that. Or whoever the next LSU coach is. <laughs> you know, who knows how to stop spread offenses better than Gary Patterson. Yeah, but that's all he does, man. So, I am. Um, I was. I, I'm. I'm sad in the sense of. I think the rivalry will never be the same without him there. Like it's really disappointing that that he's not going to be around anymore because half of my hatred towards TCU is 
Gary Patterson. So I, I do hope that whoever comes in next is just as much of an asshole as Gary Patterson was to us. I mean, it'd be so it's hard. I mean, they'd have to hire like I can't even imagine who you'd hire who to be. And it's not that he he was an asshole for sure, but it's just that the he was just a whiny little bitch about every single thing. When you lose a game, it's always it was always someone else's fault. And somebody it, threatened it, me. Uh, <laughs> he's just such a crybaby. And <sighs> that's what made it so worse. It's like you're a great football coach, but you're just a Everything you're saying right now, man, like I'm just, it's just pissing me off and making me sadder that he's gone at the same time. Because that's what sports is, man. We got it. He's our villain. And now we don't have our villain anymore. I know. Well, we'll see what's up next. I'm sure they'll find a way to make us hate him. Sure. So something else happened this weekend, Matt. Yes. Did did you happen to be anywhere um, or paying attention to anything uh, at 11 a.m. on Saturday morning? I do believe Baylor um, defeated Texas 31 to 24 in Waco. And it was uh, it was a glorious, glorious win. I enjoyed it very much. What's crazy about this game is Baylor went down 21 to 10 at one point. And I never had any any doubt. I was never like stressed out. The mood in the stadium, because I was because I was there. Like the mood in the stadium when it was twenty-one to ten, was like it was annoyance at us. Like I don't, I don't think anybody really felt like this is out of reach. It was just like, come on, I wish. Why aren't we playing better than this? Come on, like that was the vibe. Yeah, and it was basically two plays. It was, I mean, really, it was the turnovers, and that was, you know, set up those. Because otherwise, without those, and they get those extra extra possessions to get those extra points. I mean, it's a it's a closer game than that, but it happens. So, but I wasn't yeah. ever stressed out about it. We talked about last week how we felt this kind of could it had a, a 2019 vibe to it, where yeah. like it could be a seven point win, but you feel like one team is better than the other. I think I said like. I could see it in a range of anywhere from seven to 21. Yeah. And I felt like, I felt like Baylor was 14 to 17 points better than Texas in that game. Yeah. And, and, and we won by seven touchdown. because of, you know, but Texas, Texas also dropped a couple of things too. Like they dropped, they, they had to, uh, they had a number of drop passes in that game that were pretty crippling for them. Um, but Hey, it is what it is. You know, we left we left stuff out there too. We gave up possessions. So I really felt like Baylor was probably a 14 to 17 point better team than Texas. And you could see it. Um, I think it was it was either Abram Smith or Jalen Petrie after the game talked about in the fourth quarter, they they knew they were gonna win the game because um all the Texas guys had their hands on their hips. Yeah, and it was Abe, Abe Smith. It was Abe, okay. And and you could see that, man. Like it was just we kept hitting and hitting and hitting and going and going and Texas just ran out of gas. So, you know, you can talk whatever you want about Sark or their game planning in the fourth quarter. Like they did some stupid stuff in the second half, like that, that fake punt. But I feel like the trend with Texas losing in second halves of games is it just doesn't look like they're up to 
the level of conditioning that other teams are that they're playing right now. And yeah, I think that just that goes to how good our team is, man. Like we could keep going and playing at a level that Texas couldn't keep up with. And that's why we won that football game. Like to start that game out, they play, you know, like we did not play our best football. We, we yeah. did everything we could to give them the opportunity to win the game. But when you're just better than somebody else and you can keep going longer than somebody else and you play that over four quarters, the better team's going to win. And that's what happened. Yeah. And you could tell we didn't get out of our comfort zone or we felt like a team that we have a clear identity of what we do. And regardless of the situation, we're not ever, it, it, it kind of takes on the, the personality of the coach. Like we don't get too high or too low. We kind of stay even keel, even when things are going our way and we just kept on playing our game. And then those, those runs kept on getting longer and longer until finally like a broke one. And it was an amazing play to really put it out. I mean, once he hit that long run, that 32 yard touchdown, it was 31 21. Like it was a, at that point, I was like, it's over. I, I have to tell you, cause, cause you didn't get a chance to be there, but it was literally one of the best environments that, that I've seen in McLean. I mean, there, there definitely have been bigger crowds. Like there were still, there were still some seats that could have been had in that game. Um, the corners of the of the line still weren't like completely packed or whatever uh but it was the environment there man it was so loud and when people needed to get up like it got crazy in there um we got the sec chance that we wanted yeah um uh, Br- uh brian sir fair and i and i and i actually started one of them because we were sitting near the student section and we started chanting it <laughs> so I have to take credit for that. Um, but man, it was just so good. It was so, so good. Yeah. And I watched the, I guess some raw video um, on, um, on the internet and it was, uh, you could hear like that touchdown, how loud it was. The yeah. Crowd, the fourth the quarter exploded. when, when we sealed it off on that, on their last fourth down play. Um, when the when the ball hit the ground, the place just exploded, and it was great. We it's something I think a lot a lot of fans have complained about this year, myself included in in some situations about either the crowd size that we've had, the way the student section's been handled, or whether or not people yeah. are standing up and cheering. Uh, Baylor fans went above and beyond on Saturday, and this has a potential. Um to really kind of put the the bears moving in the illness downhill stretch exactly where you want to be for sure. Oh, absolutely. Like, like you're talking I mean, about being seven and one heading into this stretch, being as confident as they were um, on, on Saturday and before the, before the break, how confident they were, you really gonna need that confidence heading into the, um, the final games. If you win the next two games, so this week we play TCU and Oklahoma mm-hmm. next week. If you win those two games, it's going to take a miracle for them to not make the Big 12 championship game. Yeah. Because they will be far and away favorites in their last two games of the season. 
So sure. I don't want to look past anything and it's yeah. TCU hate week and everything, but hey, man, there is, there's a past. lot of places this team can still go this year. We can look as far as we want. We're not on the team. We don't <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's this, this team controls their destiny. If, if they can go beat TCU and beat Oklahoma, which Oklahoma's at home, there are at that point three teams with one loss, and assuming that Oklahoma State hasn't dropped another one in that period. Yeah. And Oklahoma and Oklahoma State still have bedlam. So if Baylor wins out, they're going to go into the last week of the season in a three-way tie, and one, the, the two other teams in that tie are playing each other. So you went out and you're in the you're in the Big 12 championship game with sure. an opportunity to possibly make the playoff if you win it. You need some help. Right. I mean, it's possible. Possible. I I do think it's a long shot. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not another realm of possibility, but you got to take care of business. I think think the best case scenario for Baylor, if, if we're talking about pie in the sky, let's what if it happened making the playoff the best chance is they they have to win out a and oklahoma state wins bedlam and we play them and get a rematch in the title game if we beat them then when they look at our schedule it's baylor has not not beaten everyone they've played because even though you lost to oklahoma state you've You've almost redeemed that because you've gone out and beaten them. And that sure. proves like, hey, you're a better team now than you were earlier in the season when you played them. If that's and, what happens, Baylor's got a shot. Yeah, and I agree. And so, I mean, really, I'm rooting for Oklahoma State the rest of the way. Yeah, the rest of the them, way. I want to see them again. I don't want to see Oklahoma a second time. Right. I, I you're You're rooting for... Oklahoma's only losses to be to us in Oklahoma state. Mm-hmm. And then what that, what that does is you've got to win over number eight right now. And then you get to play, you get to play a one loss team. So, and, and whoever that is, because Oklahoma state will be winning out. They'll be moving up in the rankings as we move then too. So God, that would be a hell of a quality win to have on your resume. Speaking of rankings, did you happen to see the, uh, the first college football playoff? Um, yeah, they're coming election. out. They they just came out. Yes, like uh, not too long ago. Did you have any thoughts about that? So I don't. I'm not upset. I know. I know a lot of people are upset. Yeah, but I I really do look at it, and and so you guys know Baylor. Baylor is number twelve. Is where they've landed in the initial college football playoff rankings. And no matter what else happens, all offseason and as we got into the preseason, all I heard was super low expectations about Baylor. And I had them myself based off of, you know, we have a new starting quarterback. We're installing a new offense. You know, what's what's going to happen? And last year we were, what, two and seven. And so I didn't have the highest of expectations, but I wasn't as doom and gloom as I felt most people were. And so Baylor is now sitting as the 12th best team in the country. I think that's 
That's really cool. I mean, that's that's just absolutely awesome to me. And that's what I'm focusing on the most. Now, that being said, there is an absolute agenda by the playoff committee. And, and I don't think anybody's surprised by it. Um, but the SEC is absolutely getting a ton of love. And I think it was our Daily Bears tweeted out that the grift happens between 10 and 25. You know, you don't look at the top 10, you know, the one through nine. That doesn't tell you as much about what they want to do and where they want to go. Yeah. Um, you know, Wisconsin and Minnesota are ranked 20 and 21. Ridiculous. Which is in the Big Ten. So now you're helping the Big Ten out. And SMU and U of H are both unranked. Which means Cincinnati has no opportunity to beat a ranked team for the rest of the year as it currently stands. So they're clearly setting this up to where Cincinnati looks worse at the end of the year and the big 10 looks better. Um, and I, I think it's, there's not a single um, or all of the, all of the mismatches between the AP and the college football playoff rankings. So somebody's ranked in the AP. They're not in the CFP. All of them are a group of five schools. So a school like UTSA, which is undefeated. No love. Now, I was was reading some of the quotes um, from the, well, also the, the, I guess the spokesperson, I don't know what they say, who, you know, kind of defends the rankings from the college football playoff committee is Gary Barda. He's the uh, athletic director for Iowa, which happens to be in the Big Ten. And so you get Wisconsin. You get Minnesota, which is ridiculous. Wisconsin's ridiculous as well. Um, and he was saying, like, well, while you know, speaking of Cincinnati, he said that it was a good win, the Notre Dame win, but that they uh, who they played since then, and talking about these close, the couple they've had a couple of close wins in the last couple of weeks, and he was asked about UTSA, and he said, well, they haven't played anybody. Yeah, it's it's amazing I mean, to me. You like, can only play who's on your schedule. <laughs> well, and that's fine if you want to use that argument. That that is totally fine. But Alabama's beaten one ranked team this year. True. One. So why are they number two then? Well, that's that's that goes into their they're using different criteria because then you say you look at what they exactly you're using the eye test. Like, they test. look like the best team or a better team. You know, and that's the I think, two team. I never had a problem with the BCS in its process. I think I think what most college football fans had an issue with it wasn't that a, that there was a computer model involved. I think they were upset that it was just two teams, and so we said, okay, fine. We'll go to this playoff format and them switching to this. What really boils down to an invitational. I I just don't get it. There was nothing wrong with the computer system. And I know that I know that the BCS, if you run it and you look at who's made the college football playoff, they're pretty close, if not almost perfect. But the issue is when you have humans doing it, you open the idea of error. And then that grows exponentially when they're inconsistent with 
how they pick things are done. And if you have a computer, you just kind of have this innate trust that no matter what happens, the computer is just judging everybody in the same way and processing everything the same way every time. And you can't get that with the human. And they're openly admitting it. Yeah. So I hope that if they do expand the playoff, which I hope they do, I really hope they expand it to eight or 12 teams. I hope they integrate, they get rid of this kind of this well, human the thing factor. About the, yeah. Cause the thing about, if you do expand to eight or 12 teams, there's a criteria. So it's either the eight highest ranked, which I guess in that sense, you may still have like a committee that ranks teams or you're going to go by the AP or there, there'll be some way formula that you find out what the official ranking is, but at least you're going by the high, the highest ranked conference champion. Right. And then yeah. you have a, a, the at-larges, right? So you'd need some kind of selection committee for the at-large selection. If you go with eight and they have some type of AQ situation to where conference championships get in, so that's your five conference championships and then three at-larges. I mean, maybe you'd have like one group of five champion, your highest rated group of five champion, then two at-larges or something of that nature. But at least there's clear criteria and it's not just – we felt because we felt this way. Because give me the rankings. Give me the rankings of a computer. Well, speaking of that, I do want to read a tweet from uh, John. This is at Big John eight six five, which is always fun. And this was retweeted by uh, Stephen Godfrey, and he talking about the BCS. He says the BCS is objectively better than the playoff. I'd much rather get deep dicked by a faceless computer than a bunch of old vampires named Mitch and Charlie. And I would exactly. Contract. It doesn't matter if they think the same. It's that it's <laughs> that you know it's gonna. It's just it's just better. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather let let a formula figure it out. So you know what you you're twelve. Okay, that's fine. If if you a have, computer tells yeah. me that Alabama is legitimately deserving to be called the number two team in the country, like I think it was Royden Ogletree that said uh, said on Twitter that like is Alabama the number two team in the country? Yeah, do they deserve to be ranked there? No. And a compu- like a computer would agree with me there. So that's what I want. Just yeah, give me- there is the website that does like the simulated BCS. Mm-hmm. I was looking at it today and you know where they had Baylor? Number 12. Yes. Yeah, it was they they pretty much nailed yeah. um the mid-tier of the rankings like it yeah. matched up pretty well in that like 10 to 20 range in there. But yeah. when you got up into the, into the top, like I think Cincinnati and the BCS right now would be number two. I was shocked that BYU was 15. Like when I didn't see him in the first two, like, or the first 10 the, or the bottom 10, I thought, well, man, they're not going to rank BYU. And I was kind of concerned. Cause you that's, know, that's huge that's for win. us. Yeah. Then they put 15. I was like, wow. And then we jumped up. Of course we were 12. And then OSU's right there at 11. And then yeah. Oklahoma's like, what are they, nine or eight, something like that? Oklahoma's eight. So, I mean, you're right there in this, like, this four, this selection of four from eight to 12, where it's like they're all going to play each other. Or they play, some of them play each other. We've already played at Oklahoma State, but we play Oklahoma. Oklahoma plays Oklahoma State. There's a chance that we would play another one of them again. So, in in that sense, it's gonna that's gonna work itself out, like you were talking about. But yeah, and the other things will too. The problem I have with 
Alabama being that high is that it sets up getting both Georgia and Alabama in regardless of who wins in the championship game. If Alabama makes it through the West, which they looks like they should. Yeah, they, they should. Let's say they beat Georgia. So you have a one-loss Alabama, one-loss Georgia. They're both getting it. Man. Like, Oklahoma has the best opportunity for the Big 12 to make the playoff because they have the name Oklahoma. Yeah. But resume-wise, Baylor, Baylor's beaten the number 15 college football playoff team at BYU. If BYU wins out, that's going to be they're going to be super highly ranked. Oklahoma's best non-conference win, meaning the same that we've played. Like we every we we both played the same Big 12 schedule. So the only thing that is different between us and Oklahoma from a resume standpoint is our non-con. Oklahoma had Nebraska. We played BYU. Yeah. So if if Oklahoma's going to have one loss, and Baylor's going to have one. Like, if you had to pick which one had one loss at the end of the year, like Baylor would have the better resume. But that wouldn't matter because we don't have the Oklahoma name. Yeah, you, and that comes into, like, eye test. And so, like, Baylor doesn't – Oklahoma hasn't really either. But normally, they you know, they roll folks. You know, they're scoring 50 points or whatever. The way Baylor plays, they're not going to do that. They're going to grind you to a pulp, yes, but they're – they're going to keep it low. They're going to bend, but don't break on defense. Not let you score a lot of points, but you're going to get some points on the board. And we're going to score 31, 38, you know, 31 to 40, let's say. But Do you want not- to talk about eye test? Yeah. Because they beat Tulane by five. Yes. They, ble- they beat New- Nebraska by seven. They beat West Virginia by three. They beat Kansas State by six. And they beat Texas by seven. Yeah, and I think that's why they're they're eight, not not four. Because like in the AP poll, they're in the top four. Coaches both are in the top four. They're getting hit by the committee because of those close losses. Yeah. Same thing with Cincinnati. Cincinnati's six because they barely beat Navy, and they played with their food with um, Tulane. You know, even though they ended up winning thirty-one to twelve, it was you know. They they broke away late. Yeah, it's going to be I mean, interesting Cincinnati's to see. Cincinnati's going to have to blow everyone out to get any respect and just absolutely crush folks. Yeah, and that's not like the Luke Fickle style. Yeah. So, but at any rate, Baylor's got an opportunity to really do something fun at the end of the year. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, none of these matter. No, really, the first one doesn't matter because I was looking back in 2014, uh, Ohio State was in the first poll, they were 16. They ended up four. Yeah, but they're Ohio State. True. That is true. Let's do you want to jump into the picks for this week? It's not a great slate. Yeah, it's it's not a great week. I don't think we'll spend a crazy amount of time no, on these. No, and it, I was looking at our picks and it's it's pretty chalky. And I added some added some things to mine just because it was gonna be super boring. But anyway, um you wanna kick it off? Yeah, I'll kick it off. It was gonna be super boring. <laughs> um so yeah, we will as always we'll run through these in chronological order. Um our we'll call it the current and new big twelve teams. 
um, to start off our day at 11 a.m. So your bright and early game of the week for the Big 12 on FS1. We have Kansas State heading to Lawrence to play Kansas, the interstate rivalry game here, um, or intrastate, I should say. Um, Kansas State's favored by 24 points. Um, they are getting a 94 uh, 94% chance to win, according to, to FPI. Um, do the Jayhawks have the ability to pull off the upset, Matt? No. <laughs> Kansas State, all the way. Yeah, Kansas State's going to cover this game. Uh, somebody's playing Kansas. Uh, pick whoever they're playing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, next is another another banger. Um, Idaho State travels to Provo to take on BYU. This is uh, there's no line in this game, so it's just a pick 'em game. Um, that's 2 p.m. on ESPN three, which I guess is uh, on the website. Uh, BYU is a 99 percent chance to win this game by FPI, and um, yeah, the BYU is gonna not have any problem with Idaho State. I, I love that this game's on ESPN three. <laughs> Like it's not ESPN plus it's on ESPN three. It's just like, yeah, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll broadcast the number 15 team in the nation, I guess. I know. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, that's it's, it's BYU. There's no line. So it's just, who do you think is going to win? Yeah. BYU is going to beat Idaho state. I don't think anybody's worried about that. No. Um, all right. And then now we move into our two thirty slot where we have a couple of games, but the two thirty slot on ESPN. So pretty nice broadcast here. Um, Oklahoma State is heading into Morgantown, West Virginia. Um, the Mountaineers coming off a big win against Iowa State at home. Um, Oklahoma State is favored by three points, um, and FPI is giving them a 55% chance to win. What do you got on this, Matt? Well, um, I thought about this one because, I mean, West Virginia's had some good games in the last, especially the last two. You know, they took care of TCU, took care of Iowa State. Um, Last week, coming back to to top the uh, Cyclones, but I just think Oklahoma State's defense is just too good. It's probably going to be a repeat of like the Baylor West Virginia game, where it's just it's not going to be close. Yeah, I mean, West Virginia is a weird team. Now this is and... in Morgantown in November, so it is an afternoon yep. game, so it's not going to be super chilly, but it's not going to be like being in the a little further south. Yeah, West Virginia is weird because they, they, they beat at the time the number fifteen team in the country, Virginia Tech, which they're not anymore. Yeah. Um, but they lost to Maryland. But they've played Power Five schools. I mean, they played Long Island, but the two out of three of their non-con games were were out of conference. So they're they're just like yeah. a little weird to me. Um, that being said, I think you're right. Like I think Oklahoma State's defense is just too good, and West Virginia doesn't have an impressive offense. And I don't think Oklahoma's Oklahoma State's going to have an issue going into a cold weather environment. Um, so yeah, I'm going to take uh, Oklahoma State to cover those three points. I could, I mean, looking back at it, I mean, FBI has Oklahoma State about 55, percent so that's that's pretty much a toss up. And then it's only a three point, even though it's on the road. So yeah, I mean, I think Oklahoma State will, will cover the three. Yeah. I don't, I don't think this is going to be a fun game to watch. No, I, I, I think this could be like a, a seventeen thirteen game. Yeah, like I, see, I don't think I can see that. I don't think it's going to be a fun game to watch, at all. Um. All right, next up, 
also at 2.30, and this one's on ESPN2. Um, Tulsa is heading to number six in the country in the college football playoff ranking, Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a 22.5-point favorite and has a 94% chance to win on FPI. And you'd have to think that the line that Cincinnati gets for the rest of the way starts becoming important. Yeah. There's this strange thing where gambling now is going to affect Cincinnati because the perception of how big they're supposed to win games is now intertwined with what casinos say they should win by. And if they don't win by that much, then people are going to look at their wins as disappointments. Does sure. Cincinnati pull this game off by 22 and a half? Yeah. Um, Tulsa is not a good team. Um, I think our, our guy, Philip Montgomery is probably on his way out in Tulsa. So there'll be a uh, offensive coordinator job waiting for him somewhere. I'm sure, but they're just not good. They don't have it. So they, I think after tonight, even though it's not like Luke Fickle's way, like you were saying, I think they kind of have a little bit more motivation to uh, to make that lead a little bit bigger. So, yeah, I'm picking – I think Cincinnati will cover the 22-and-a-half and, and uh, take care of Tulsa. I think so, too. Like, I I, I think they're they're going to – they're going to keep playing for longer, I think. And, and they'll win this game by 24 or more points. So, I agree with you there. All right, going into the um, another afternoon game. This is a 3 p.m. game on ESPNU. We have Tulane going to UCF. UCF is a 13-point favorite, and FBI has them uh, with an 85% chance to win this game. Um, what do you think about the uh, UCF and Tulane matchup? Uh, I'm taking UCF to cover this one. Um, Tulane just, I don't know, just not that good. Mm, and you see UCF's not like a, a barn burner by any means, but, uh, they should, UCF should be able to cover this. So I'm taking it. Yeah. I mean, UCF should win this by like three touchdowns. It should be like a 21 point win. Um, Tulane's not good. They're not a good team. Um, regardless of what they did against Oklahoma. So yeah, UCF should cover this easily. Yeah, not worried about this one. <laughs> okay, now we move into more of our, our our nighttime games. We have at 6.30 on ESPNU, uh, the University of Houston heading to South Florida. U of H is a 13-point favorite, um, and FEI is giving them 82%. So this is roughly the same expectation that UCF has against Tulane. Um and I'm going to tell you, Matt. I'm going to I'm going to take you. I'm going to take U of H to cover this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Dana Holgerson and that crew are going to be pretty upset that they weren't um, involved in this first round of college football playoff rankings. And I think they're going to go out there and try to prove something. Um, South Florida's nothing to write home about. So yeah. I'm, I'm taking U of H to cover this one. Yeah, I'm right there. Um, they really they impressed me last week. I thought SMU would beat them. Um, and they uh, they played a great game. Uh, Danner Hogson, I doubted his um, longevity and staying ability at UH earlier in the year. He's really uh, kind of turned their season around, has some really good games. So 
I'm right there with you. I think U of H, uh, UH easily covers that. And uh, like you said, USF's not, you know, world beaters there. I mean, they're struggling themselves. So, yeah, it's a Houston all the way. All right. And our other night game is at 6.30 p.m. on FS1. That is Texas traveling to the great state of Iowa to take on Ames and their wonderful water. And (laughs) ISU or Iowa State is a six and a half point favorite. And FPI gives the Cyclones a 63% chance to win. How do you think this game turns out? Um, I'm thinking Iowa State to cover this one. I um, I think Texas's wheels are falling off. What would ever give you that? A- <laughs> <laughs> and I just think, I uh, mean, I don't know. Like, I, I think Iowa State's better than their record. Um, you know, but your record tells you what you are. Yeah. They had, it's a couple of really bad calls go against them again in the West Virginia game. Um, that probably affected whether or not they want it. But don't put yourself in a situation, if you want to be a top-tier Big 12 team, don't put yourself in the situation where bad refereeing puts you in a, a you know the place to lose to a West Virginia. You just can't do that. Um, and that's the difference between really, really good and great teams is not putting yourself in that situation. You know... And yeah. I think they'll come out on fire this week. So I'm taking ISU to cover this. So I initially had this as just like a Texas outright because I thought there's no way they're going to win four or lose four straight. And then um, I started taking a look at things. <laughs> and then uh, Monday night happened. And I started thinking, well, it is a night game in Ames. It's going to be quite chilly. And so I kind of – kind of split down the middle and I said Texas will cover the six and a half points, but Iowa State will win. Um, yeah, because Iowa State has been kind of snake bit with calls going against them. I mean, everyone deals with bad calls. I'm not really going to say that they're particularly any different. Yeah, I don't feel bad for them. No, and then and then part of it is like as much as everyone talks about Matt Campbell, like his like temper tantrums after like a go you're you, you a lot of times he wastes valuable time when you could be moving on and he's throwing a fit it's just like just for some reason it just drives me absolutely crazy <laughs> i couldn't imagine dave renda having any kind of like fit on the sidelines in the middle of a football game dave aranda and matt campbell are wildly different people that is that is 100 <laughs> correct so but anyway that's just my personal take on that but yeah no i think iowa state will um, win at home and it'll probably be closer. I'm, I'm saying it'll be closer than six and a half. I can see another like kick at the buzzer for Iowa state to win. And, uh, but Texas loses four straight. I, I'm most excited to watch this game because I know cyclone Larry has been trying to rally the troops as much as possible to get people to buy uh, monkey costumes to wear at the game. <laughs> so that's why I want to watch this on TV. Speaking of, did you see, like, I found this tweet from uh, Demario Novashon from, like, August, where he said he, he just tweeted this yeah, out. Yes. I want a pet monkey. <laughs> I could not, I couldn't fucking believe it. 
the signs were there all along. <laughs> What's funny all right, is so let's the move on is, into is the defensive um, coordinator's like, no, you don't. You like, <laughs> you like commented. Like, <laughs> let's move on into uh, oh my god, I love this story. <laughs> let's move on to the game of the week. Um 2 30 p.m. on Fox. Uh, so national broadcast again for us. Baylor heads to Fort Worth. It's the rivalry, our bitter rivals, but for the first time since 1994, someone not named Gary Patterson will be the head coach on the sidelines. Baylor takes on TCU. Baylor is a six and a half point favorite, so about a touchdown. And FPI is giving us a 62% chance to win. What are your thoughts, Matt? Well, I think before the Gary Patterson news, I thought um, I, I watched – I've watched way too much um, TCU football this year, and they're just – they're not a good team. And they don't have a good defense. And I thought Baylor's going to do what they did to Texas in the second half. They're just going to impose their will and run on them and end up with having – you know, 200-something yards rushing and scoring 31 points and keeping them to, like, a lower-scoring game and and just, you know, grinding them to a pulp. And then the news happened, and it's always a little bit iffy and with when you come into, like, a you have a different head coach in there or interim head coach, and they have their way of doing things and how they like to – I like to play. But given it is Jerry Kill and – his close relationship with Gary Patterson is probably going to be a lot of the same. They're probably going to try to establish the run, um, play pretty much play, um, keep away, try to, you know, run your own clock as much as they can try to keep it a low scoring affair. Um, but I don't really think there's going to be any difference in the outcome. And I think Baylor covers the six and a half and uh, takes care of TCU. Going to going to Fort Worth, it's always weird because we never seem to like blow them out there, no matter how much how much better than them we are. And I I don't honestly know if them not having Gary Patterson is a good or a bad thing. Um I could see this firing up the troops a little bit. Yeah. And making them say, you know, like making them go out there and really execute. But this team reminds me a lot of last year Baylor. You know, Max Duggan, Max Duggan and yeah. Charlie Brewer just feel so similar to me. Um, but you got benched and, or something, didn't he? Like the, yeah, it was like Chandler Morris finished the game. Yes, correct. I don't, I don't know if if Duggan's going to be playing. Yeah, I, I haven't heard yet, but they just so remind me of last year's Baylor team, and. I, as much as I hate playing in Fort Worth and as weird and close as these games seem to be when Baylor wins, I'm still picking Baylor to cover. I think this is, I think it's going to be too emotional um, a game for TCU. That's there's just too much going on. There's too much distractions and it's a rivalry game. This, it was already a hype kind of game that, has more around it than a normal one. And you add in everything else that TCU's had to deal with. I think, I think Baylor wins pretty comfortably. Yeah. And I think looking at it, 
I don't know how much the TCU faithful are really going to turn out for this game, especially considering what happened over the weekend. So there could be a very strong contingent of uh, Baylor fans there, and they don't really turn out as it is. It's not like they have this big home field advantage at Amon Carter. So you, it could almost become like a de facto home game for the for Baylor just because of the – I've seen a lot of Baylor fans like pushing to like get to Fort Worth. And so there could have – could be a, quite a large contingent of Baylor fans there. So, you know, that going for them. They're, they're practically – I've seen some people talk about they're practically trying to give tickets away so you could find some good tickets relatively affordable. So, you know, that, I think the, the home field part of it kind of is a negated. Yeah, I, I don't even look at it as home field, though. Like, it's just that place that just place gives me the icks playing there just in general. Because you're right. I mean, they, it's it's not their fan base. I've I've been to games there. I've been to Baylor TCU games there. And it's yeah. It's it's not. It's not intimidating. It just has a just a ick vibe when we play there. But yeah, yep, I, I, I I don't have any worries about about Baylor winning this football game. I think I think TCU is in a really bad place, and so yeah, I think I think Baylor goes to eight and one, and we head into a matchup with Oklahoma, who is on a bye this week. Mm-hmm. So they've got a full extra week to prepare for us, and we go into the biggest home game in McLean Stadium since the last time we played Oklahoma in McLean stadium and who buddy, I hope we get a different result than we did last time. Yes, I would, uh, I would echo those sentiments for sure. And I think that uh, this is a big week, even though it is TCU, it's you got to take care of business. And uh, I, I fully expect Baylor to do that. Before we head out of here, though, I had I wanted to get your opinion on one thing, something I'm very passionate about. Um, what is your your take on people who jump ahead to Christmas season um, after Halloween and and skip Thanksgiving preparation? Well, Matt, I, I know you pretty well at this point, and your video's on right now, and I can see the decorations behind you. Yes. So I, I know you probably have a strong opinion on this. I do. And I'd like to tell everybody out there right now that um, behind Matt is there's like hanging in his window. It's like, you know, those little string decorations um, and they've got snowflakes on them. And then on this bookshelf that's behind him, there's a, a Christmas tree and a Santa Claus. And there's a desk next to him that also has more Christmas decorations. So Matt is fully in the Christmas spirit and ready to just blow by Thanksgiving. I can't abide by those lies that you're telling the people. <laughs> it is not the way it is. Thanksgiving is the best holiday. And I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking about Thanksgiving is everything Christmas tries to be. It is you get together with your family, you're having good food, whatever it is. And then you don't have the like present commercialism aspect of it it's just really even if you don't like your family and they're crazy queuing on folks you still get together and have your meal and you 
watch football and take a nap and it's just a great time and then then you can move into christmas and you know i love celebrating the birth of christ as much as anyone but i mean he was really born in spring anyway so it's you know enjoy thanksgiving and then when he, when he rolls along to december you can put up your tree and do all the advent events you want see growing up and i think still now it's pretty normal for in my family like the same stuff gets made for christmas and thanksgiving so it's yeah. the same food and christmas you have bowl games and you have nba yeah thanksgiving you've got nfl yeah. and nba um and some college i don't i don't have anything against thanksgiving thanksgiving is a it's a a great holiday but I feel like I can get the same stuff out of Christmas that I can Thanksgiving. Plus I'm going to get something cool, even though I have to go spend a bunch of money on way more people now that I'm in my thirties and am married and have a kid and have in-laws and tons of nieces and nephews. Um, Christmas is <laughs> much more expensive now than it used to be. It'll get uh, worse. And I'm sure as my son gets older, it'll only get worse. Yeah. It only gets worse, but that's also I'm, I am a Christmas thing. guy. Like I'm, I just, I, I love. I was born in December. I love the Christmas time. It's just that I, maybe it is me being. I've, I've been a father for twelve years. I've, it's just so much more stressful than Thanksgiving is to me. That I can actually like enjoy Thanksgiving. Maybe that's so, okay. My, like, that that makes a ton of sense because you, yeah. There's no your expectation on Thanksgiving is make me a delicious plate of food and don't make me do anything all day. And in Christmas, the expectation is you, you also have to make me happy with something you spent money on for me. Yeah. And we have our own traditions. Like I, I help my wife um, prepare the meal, put like the Macy's day parade on it early in the morning. We're up early because we're cooking a Turkey overnight most times. And then like the Detroit Lions game is on like 11 AM. So you just move right into football and you have college football at night. But when I grew up, it was always like the Texas, Texas A&M game was on that day or sometime in that weekend. So it, yeah, it was just, always on a Friday. Yeah. So it was just it's just a good a good time. But yeah, I am clouded by my the stress level goes like to 11. As soon as after Thanksgiving, the next day, it's like, oh, God, I guess I can start seeing like the like the, the, the tunnel is like it's just like such a stressful time. But that's my problem. <laughs> Are you a Black Friday shopper? No, never have been, never will be. It's not worth it for the deals. I go out like later in the day. I know I, every year I will, I'll go out at like three and I normally just go, I'll just go to like two or three stores without even having anything in mind. And I'll just walk around and be like, is there anything that I think would be useful for me that I can get cheaper now than later? So I go to Best Buy a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it seems like such a horrible. Yeah. I, going at three o'clock is great because everybody's already home because everybody shows up at five or 6 a.m. or they've been camping outside of a store. Yeah. That's so you go at three, it's, it's ghost towns. I think, and but with me, I think nowadays it's like, they have like the cyber deals. It's like, yeah, there's really no point. I don't know. Maybe it's just the experience, just getting out of the house and walking around. 
No, I don't like Lake Miles either. So there's that. <laughs> anyway, did you have anything else as far as like um, anything else you're watching? Any non-football things that are interesting, interesting to you? Um, the Astros are about to lose the World Series. So I don't have to stress out about that anymore. Um, so they are. I just put my phone down a minute ago. But yeah, it was six nothing. Yeah, it's currently six to oh, nothing. Yeah, well, the last time I checked, it was like three nothing. So it's, yeah, so it's it currently six, six wasn't to nothing. Was it like that last time they came back though? So yeah, yeah, it's not gonna happen. So congrats to the Atlanta Braves, and uh, for for the first time in a long time, Atlanta didn't blow a big lead in a championship game. So Good um, sad for the Astros, but still stoked. It's awesome to go to the World Series. So I've been paying attention to that. Um, and man, really, since last week, my focus, we recorded later than usual last week. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the things that I was focused on was going to that Baylor game, enjoying that Texas, that Texas win. And it's, you know, since I had Baylor came, Gary Patterson gets fired, monkey gate. What up until we've have. recorded this. So it's just, that's where my focus has been. <laughs> I'm watching right now. I'm watching some uh, some action on Tuesday night. It's oh, yeah, a great it's, game. Who's playing right now? So it's like I'm watching Eastern Michigan and Toledo, and it's 38-28 Eastern Michigan. But this oh. has been just a back and forth, like just a fun game to watch. That's what's great. And then I tweeted this out, and I heard uh, Andy Staples tweeted it, and it was like, um, I guess it was as of Sunday. There's not a day that doesn't have football on until the Monday after Thanksgiving. There's some football on every single day of the week the, this whole month. What a time to be alive. I know. When you're like, it's Tuesday, I'm going to put on some uh, college football. Anyway, um, as always, I want to thank uh, everyone for tuning in. If you want, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor app, and pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. If you want to find me on Twitter, um, I'm at Matt D. Workman. And uh, Joe, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at the underscore Joe underscore Goodman. And um, if you have any complaints or concerns, you can always tweet us at Matt is bear. <laughs> and um, uh, you can tell us how you feel there. Yeah. That's uh, our official complaint department. Absolutely. Anyway, Joe, it was uh, good talking to you and we got another big game this weekend and we'll see you next week. Absolutely. Sick and bears. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.